Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm John Tandy. We are here on Resurrection Sunday weekend, John. Uh, mm-hmm. Good Friday last night. Uh, I don't call it Easter, but I like to call it mm-hmm. Resurrection Sunday. Mm-hmm. I give myself a treat every year. Andrew Peterson has three albums, The Resurrection Letters, Volume 1 and 2, and then a prologue to The Resurrection Letters, I believe. I don't allow myself to listen to those except for <laughs> this week so that I <laughs> so that I don't wear out the songs, and so they're new and, and refreshing every and so I had those on yesterday when I was working, uh, driving around, and it was very nice. Maybe mm-hmm. a little, little too loud in the car, but it's <laughs> <laughs> the way to do it. No, no, no criticism there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so um, I, w- I was telling you, I've had a very interesting um, couple of weeks at some of the information that I've been listening to and researching mm-hmm. and some things uh, people have sent to us. I think you should never be afraid to examine information, but no matter what it is, I, I admit I had a fear there because of some of the criticisms I saw of the Book of Mormon and things. Um, you know, nowadays, you know what's amazing is the internet and how you can now find so much information, but not just information. I'm learning and researching, number one, looking for the dates is very, very important and the source of, is it a first-hand source? Mm, is it yeah. a second or a third? And That's there's important. some websites out there, like uh, one of them is called Fair Mormon. Mm-hmm. I forget what the acronym stands for. But you can look up, like, uh, you know, I had heard, I kept hearing this Fanny Alger name that Joseph was involved in with polygamy. Right. And you, you listen to proponents and opponents of the religion, and and it's almost like this is gospel truth, and it's like, duh, everybody knows this. Well, I, I actually researched on a Mormon site, Fanny Alger, and it tells you right away, uh, third-hand source. There's no mm. no first-hand knowledge, right. even though someone said, well, Oliver Cowdery saw him in a barn, right? Mm. Well, I read all, I'm, I'm looking at Oliver Cowdery stuff, can't find anything, and it's like so-and-so said to so-and-so that Oliver told them, so you're like, it's like a third-hand. Mm-hmm. And some of these are 10 years after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Longer. So, all of that to be said, uh, it's been an interesting journey. But at one point, it's like, what if I find out <laughs> that the Book of Mormon's not true? I, I I go there in my mind, mm-hmm. not not because I'm feeling that or thinking it, mm-hmm. uh, but asking a philosophical question: what mm-hmm. would what would my life look like? Well, I, the short story is, I have never been more solidified that the Book of Mormon is a work of God than I am today, and I'm very happy for some of the things. It's been a roller coaster of a ride when you find something out, um, and then you realize, well, that's actually there's another side to that. It's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, One of those things, I'll let you talk here in a second. One of those things I saw, which was fascinating, there's a, I may put a link to this in the notes today. The Joseph Smith Papers is a website, and I... (laughs) I'm still amazed that it's up and out there. I think it's run by someone who's a LDS Mormon, or maybe yeah, they're I'm not sure in the church is. anymore. They, no, I'm sure the Joseph Smith Papers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a work of that. that are, maybe not a, I don't know if it's official LDS church, but it's definitely okay. official people who have access to the documents. That Some of these documents they've had in the LDS archives for, for right. 100 years, and then it was like in the 
60s, 70s, they started changing their policy of opening up the things a little bit because uh-huh. some things were sort of leaking out from scholars <laughs> and they were like, how do we deal with some of these? Right. And so they started just kind of opening up the books and making that's, them Yeah, that's where we, we put a link out. That's where we, you can read the first vision, among other things, mm-hmm. in Joseph's journal. And, and that's even widely held now among LDS, the four different accounts of the vision. But mm-hmm. I um, I give him kudos for putting it out there because what I, what I saw this week absolutely floored me. Um, there's uh, there is original copies and there is edited copies, and this is a Mormon. I don't know if he's still in the Mormon Church or not, but he has a very well a very well done YouTube video of research on the Joseph Smith papers mm-hmm. that show uh, Brigham Young redoing Joseph's journals. Yeah, yeah, you knew about that. I do. Yeah, I did not know about. I didn't know about it to that extent, to the fact that you can look in that where people went in there and wrote with different handwriting mm-hmm. and crossed things out. Okay. And you can see the original and you can see the edited. And he's got all of this. So this was a, a LDS man who actually, his hypothesis and his presentation was that um, Joseph Smith was never involved in polygamy. Mm-hmm. And I think they're realizing now that I think there's a, a, a ground-swelling movement among LDS. Like, Brigham Young really messed up and changed our religion, and they're, they're realizing it's not all attributed to Joseph at all. Yeah, and I can't remember. I, I was trying to look if I could find it, but there is a uh, Facebook page that I joined sometime uh, maybe a couple years ago. Basically, former, uh, current or former LDS who have, like you said, come to that conclusion of mm-hmm. you know Joseph Smith's innocence in polygamy, and of course they're getting some of this information from like Richard Price has published you know books now I think four volumes on it, mm-hmm. and uh, but but independently they're coming to some of you know from some of the same sources, but um, you know again we. The kind of things you're talking about, I've pretty much been involved with m- most of my life, and because right. you know, I've kind of dealt with apologetics and and just you know some of those same same things you're talking about. Is, well, what if what if what we believe is wrong, or 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 even if even if you don't think of it that way, you know, mm-hmm. even if you think of you know how do you how do you show what we believe is right when there's so much just mountains and piles and piles of of criticisms and and arguments, you know, against. Book of Mormon and against Joseph right. and and all just pretty much everything, and you know there there's a lot of good answers out there. I'll I'll be the first to admit that I have questions that I don't have answers for. Yeah, still, but um, you know the, when I put together the whole picture, I I just I don't see how for myself I don't see how I can come to another conclusion as far as the the big picture. You know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I could certainly find ways if if I you know decided to. You know, start disbelieving in things. I could find lots, lots of evidence. It's not not all the easy stuff that mm-hmm. people usually throw out, but it might be even some deeper stuff. But but, but I just the beauty of what you find in the Book of Mormon, and the the more I study it, the more I read it, the more depth. It's just like layers of depth, and, right. and how it just knits together with with Bible prophecy, Bible truth, the you know the covenants in particular with with Israel, and I mean just lots of things that, that just. How did this? You know, we, we've said this for years. You know, oh, this unlearned farm boy. How did he? It, it goes deep. You know? Right. That's so. That's a that's a fascinating. Uh, the so that was one thing. We, we Joseph gets called an unlearned farm boy. This is what I discovered. His that his both his mother and father were school teachers. Um, I didn't. I, didn't know I did that. not know that. <laughs> and although he did 
officially drop out of school around the third grade or age 12 that uh, pretty good evidence. Uh, do you know what it probably, was? Probably, well, let's see. Probably more like sixth grade. Okay. Because that would be about the age. I think. He had a surgery. Yeah. He had a, yeah. a real bad leg infection yeah. that you can see in the cartoon on, <laughs> on the Latter-day Saints, uh, you know, whatever those were. That's the first time I had heard of it. But mm-hmm. um, but then he dropped out. However, uh, they were said, they said it was almost certain that his mother would have would have schooled him. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't a dummy. He wasn't oh, no. a, a, he, a he buffoon. Always... He was. But then, uh, so then, you get off into the weeds of well, he had all of these books, including the Last War, or View of the Hebrews, he could have mm-hmm. known about, and then mm-hmm. he plagiarized the Book of Mormon. Uh, but then his mother says. He didn't like to read, like to sit down and read a book, especially some of these volumes, which are oh, they're very hard to read and very boring. Um, <laughs> I don't think that he was digesting volumes and volumes of books after working in the field all day and then saying, "Oh, I could." Right. Uh, yeah. One of the stories I like is um, is this. This comes from Emma, uh, you know, Emma Smith, his wife, and I, I think it was. Um, I think it was told by her um, that basically that like during the Book of Mormon translation, you know, they get to a certain point. Maybe it's in Nephi, you know, where where they're talking about the walls of Jerusalem, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I, I think that was probably where it was. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 that early in early on, Emma was one of the ones that was ascribed for him, and she was you know, writing down the words that he he brought forth. And it's like he he looked around at her and he says, "Did Jerusalem have walls?" And she's like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> it's like she knew, man, from her education and things like that, and he. He didn't know that, but he got it off the plates. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's where did this come from? You know that, yeah, he got it from the Lord. There, uh, we can go. I want to go through a few of these since we're talking about. It. I mm-hmm. find it absolutely fascinating. One, one of the, um, well, some of the things that I heard were that the witnesses. Uh, I think David Whitmer was the most interviewed witness mm-hmm. to the plates at different times, or. Um, well, the argument is that they never really saw the place with their mm-hmm. physical eyes. It was a spiritual right. eyes. <clears throat> I was listening to one of the, this is an LDS person, on an anti-Mormon um, program. However, I will say this. There's people out there that I, th- I find are full of integrity, and they they want they want to present facts but not he said, she said type stuff. And I appreciate them showing view, both viewpoints. I think that's how you should go into any topic with an open mind. And mm-hmm. it's really hard to not be biased because you will yeah. find what you want to find oh, yeah. if you're biased. So it's good to listen to both uh, sides. But they they describe this. And I had a question about that because uh-huh. you can read the – they said as these men grew in their understanding and as the church went forward – when they said something like, and we beheld it, you know, with our spiritual eyes, mm-hmm. they realized that when you behold things of God, um, that God is giving you this spiritual insight. Not that you're not seeing it with your physical eyes, but mm-hmm. that it's like, uh, well, like when 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 um, Jared saw the finger of the Lord, mm-hmm. or when Moses, like, there's this this spiritual veil God puts there so that you're not consumed when, when you have an experience with the Lord. That perhaps was their understanding. They explained it much more elegantly, but they said, they said that doesn't mean they didn't, they weren't standing there awake. Mm-hmm. You know, right. anybody knows they're awake or not and they're, that they actually physically saw it. It was like the Lord was opening 
Mm-hmm. They said when you see things like that, there's an understanding and a quickening that comes to your mind that is so far beyond the knowledge of this world mm-hmm. that it's a spiritual experience. Yeah, so, more than likely it was David Whitmer in one of his interviews that yeah. that clarified this specifically to say, yes, we said it was, I think that's what you're referring to, maybe mm-hmm. that was our spiritual eyes, but yes, we were actually there too. I think he, I mean, that's a paraphrase. Right. Well, uh, and the thing is that David Whitmer at the end of his life made sure to clarify all rumors and everything and wrote a, a mm-hmm. paper and actually had a, a bunch of the upstanding citizens in, in mm-hmm. Richmond, Missouri, sign an affidavit that he was a man of character, of sound mind, that he mm-hmm. had never cheated anybody, or <laughs> I think it was the mayor. and yeah, I think he was the mayor of Richmond at one time, or very high. Probably so, yeah. Um, so that was that was interesting. Um, and and that, that really is one of the things that, you know, like you said, with all the arguments back and forth, and I've, you know, done a lot of reading in, like, some of the XRLDS mm-hmm. books and things like that, you know, I, it, it's easy to get discouraged. Even if it doesn't convince me, it's easy to just get discouraged when you delve into all the, the junk, you know, all this, and finding <coughs> answers. And even if you can find answers to 90% of, you know, the, the criticisms, it's just how would anybody – after seeing all this, you know, what, if they weren't already a believer, how would how would anybody wade wade through all that stuff and finally come out and say, "Oh, I think I'm going to believe it." They might. Just, There's just so much stuff here. I don't even know if it's true. You know, Correct. I, I, it could be discouraging. That's what I mean. But one of the things that I've come back to, um, you know, is one of the foundational things. Obviously, the most foundational thing, and we obviously can't get away from this. So it should never is that experience with Jesus Christ, and that's mm-hmm. that's the most important thing that you know that our faith needs to hang on if if even if it hangs on the book of mormon it it's shaky and it's it's not in the right place it needs to hang on jesus christ and uh, of course then recognizing the book of mormon is a witness for jesus christ and of jesus christ but with regard to the the, the plates and the witnesses of course you've got the three witnesses um who had this spiritual manifestation that uh, you know the the angel came and showed them the mm-hmm. the other artifacts too the the Lihona and the sort of Laban and those kind of things, um, but then you also have the eight witnesses who they said physically hefted, you know they turned the pages with their own hands they saw them with their own eyes they saw the gold plates they saw the engravings, and when I think about evidence you know like the types of of evidence that you have, well on the one hand you have physical evidence. And so if Joseph, again, whether his learning or not learning, whatever you could argue about that, but where did he come up with the gold, right? <laughs> there's no way. You look at his history, you look at where he was, there's no way he could come up with gold. Or how did he fake a, you know, some lead plates and go, to, go down to the Home Depot and get some gold spray paint, you know? No, mm-hmm. no he didn't do that back, back in 1820. <laughs> oh, no, they, the, the argument to that is he was collecting tin for about 10 years and, and storing up different size tin and stuff and hammered it, out tin plates. It, it was gold. Ah, uh, I know. They had the appearance of gold, and that's what they testified. And all of those eight men stood by that testimony to their to their death, you know, and, and, every, and it's been researched, you know. If, yeah, every, I agree. Thing. But then that's physical evidence, and so how could he fake that, right? How, how could he make them think that they saw what they didn't actually see? Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other side, you have the spiritual evidence. You have a, a an angel who's coming there, who's laying these things in, in power and in, in witness. You know, he's he's got to do both a very complex and very, um, you know, rigorous physical mm-hmm. manifestation of something that looks like it, etched, you know, engravings and a book and all that kind of thing. But then he's also got to somehow bring forth a spiritual deception of, 
you know, making them think that they saw this angel and then make them give their lives and, and uh, you know, to the end of their lives through sacrifices and, you know, losing their homes and properties and everything else for the, the strength of that testimony. It's like, it, he, you just can't, yeah. you just can't fake that. That was, uh, so one, one thing that was starting to bother me was the peepstone. And mm-hmm. what's sad is to listen to, LD, well, so there's a change going on in the LDS church mm-hmm. on the translation because of the book of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, now that the actual documents had been found in a museum and they're looking at them and people actually can translate Egyptian, mm-hmm. realize that the book of Abraham was not what Joseph wrote and said it was. It wasn't translated correctly. It's not even, Abraham's least, nowhere in it. At least the plates that they have and the translation that he put right. forth don't match. You right. Know? So what? Um, so the, the theory is this, that Joseph had the gift to translate. He has. It's more a gift of revelation, and mm-hmm. he can use anything to receive a revelation that God wanted them to know at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then they back off at the point that he was using a peep stone to translate the plates, and then at one point he didn't even need the plates in the room. He would mm-hmm. just write, which why would the Lord prepare the interpreters the interesting thing is mm-hmm. you can go to the Joseph Smith papers mm-hmm. and you can read Oliver Cowdery's book, which I read yesterday. Mm-hmm. He's got a book of letters he wrote to W.W. W. Phelps where he kind of goes through the history of the church. Mm-hmm. These letters are published in one volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Smith, I think, signed off on that, uh, said that it was legitimate, that he was correct. I, I think you can buy it at Price Publishing. I got it online free on the Kindle. Yeah, I know that Oliver wrote a or started writing an early history of the church, basically. You know, in, in mm. connection with Joseph. I don't know. This may be different. I don't know which. which it might be. It was some of it was published in the Messenger and Advocate at the yeah. time. I know he asked Joseph uh, for his history, and Joseph mm-hmm. like, "I'm sorry, I've been so busy. I haven't had time to like write it out in depth." But at, mm-hmm. there is a letter from Joseph at the end, and I really liked what he said. But but back to the translation. First-hand account, the man mm-hmm. sitting across from the table mm-hmm. writes right there, Joseph used the Urim and Thummim to translate it. You can read that in the Joseph Smith paper. So mm-hmm. I don't know why when you hear Mormons debating, and even when people present that to them, like, oh, he was mm-hmm. looking in a hat, and they don't even use mm-hmm. that information. They concede to it. Yeah. And it's like, but that's not what the— I don't know that we want to go too deep off onto that. Well, trail, we're going to get into a standard. Yeah. So yeah, sure. about that, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll just say on that that that's an issue that there's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that particular subject and and the the reason why people have gone down the path of you know not only there were rumors and things like that about Joseph and ha- having a peep stone or, or, or a stone that mm-hmm. he uh, that he had um, was that you have. Emma Smith, David Whitmer, even Oliver Cowdery, Martin Harris, um, several others who were closely associated with Joseph who described this mm-hmm. in detail about the stone, about the process of translation, and sometimes, I'm not saying always necessarily, but but um, the fact that he, he would take a stone, and it could be one of the Yerman Thummim stones, or it could be this other one, um, in the hat, and so it was dark, and you know, like David Whitmer said that that he would do that, and then he the words would appear, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and then he would read off the words, and when they were written down, then they would disappear. disappear. So there there were there were others, and a lot of this doesn't come from Joseph's own words, so you've got to give it that. But you know, they come from like I said, people that were right there, Emma Smith and and others. So um, 
uh, you know, years ago I was involved with with a group, a committee. We were trying to deal with some of the the criticism, some of the the mm-hmm. challenges that are you know to our our faith. And we we actually put out one book, and we int- intended to do more, but we kind of got tired <laughs> after getting the first one done. Well, it I takes guess, you. It you takes. Know time i mean it takes so much time oh it does and and on that subject we we went literally within the committee you know round and round and round on on Mm -hmm. different things and in the end we we couldn't agree on exactly how to how to address that subject and so we just we set it aside we didn't publish anything on it um but i I, yeah like i said i say more but i i you know i don't necessarily set aside that completely but the the important thing is it was a gift of revelation. It was the gift and power of God is ultimately what Joseph claimed. Right. And that's what we believe. So, you know, the physical mechanism for it, I don't know, say that it doesn't matter, but, you know, the, the important thing is that it came by the gift and power of God and and that it was right. a revelation from God. So, yeah. Well, I, I know uh, the, the peepstone, using that kind of thing, using a rod, a d- divining rod, that was... Uh, part of the culture, the folklore mm-hmm. of that time period. It was a well-known thing. Many people had it. Uh, they were making money and snake oil sales. You know, they were people were charging money to mm-hmm. find treasure and all of that. That was a real thing. Yeah. My, my, From everything I read, I have a feeling that at times, this is my personal opinion, uh, because the Urim and Thummim were described as stones, mm-hmm. That one person said he looked through mm-hmm. the stones to translate, and then someone, and that easily got to a peep stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those that, well, firsthand knowledge of Oliver, he's very mm-hmm. clear. Um, I think David Whit- Whitmer called it a peep stone or a stone at one time, uh, which, again, somebody writes it down or mm-hmm. hears it, their mind goes to that. But yeah, so we, why is why is any of this important? We all. Let's take Brazil, for instance. Uh-huh. There were physical plates there. Mm-hmm. I, I say this very lightly because I have very close brothers and friends that were involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody that I know of up here or that went down there saw an angel. Right. But there were physical plates, and they were allowed to look at them for hours and, mm-hmm. and examine them. So right. mankind, I mean, there are there are things we don't have answers for. And you can say, well, I agree. It always comes back to the words that are there. Um, and once I read the product that came out of that, it was for me was the the capstone on the whole thing that it wasn't of the mm-hmm. Lord. But I really closely looked at that for a good year, mm-hmm. going back and forth in my mind. You hear this and that and this and that. Well, the final thing will be when I read what's there. Right. But People have been duped through the ages. Joseph wrote uh, in his letter in, in that book of Oliver at the end, this letter, he says, I am a man, and when I have the Spirit with me, and walk, that's my only hope of not being pulled mm-hmm. left and right. Um, if I don't, then I, you know, basically I fall like every other man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the story for all of us. Uh, it was interesting, the first time he went to get the plates, all the way there, in his mind, he was thinking about money and how I could sell these and make money. And when he got there and tried to take them out, he was actually shocked. Mm-hmm. And he said, why can't I get these? You know, I'm, And the angel said, because you're not following the direction of the Lord. This has to mm-hmm. be with an eye single to his glory. And basically took him four years or, or three years of the Lord, of him explaining and maturing that this is a very holy, sacred thing, and this can't be 
done to get gained by men. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating. Uh, yeah. I had never read that account before. That's yeah. Oliver Cowdery wrote that yeah. um, from what Joseph told him. But yeah. that so man, even, even Joseph Smith is just a man, and we are all, he said, if I had power to rise above that, I would be more than a mortal man. I am susceptible to every sin and temptation that any other man is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we get to the point, well, what is the standard of truth? Because if I have a great testimony of Jesus and, and it comes from words that I read in this book, uh, and that's the truth that's presented to me, and then I find out that the whole book was a hoax mm-hmm. and that everything I believed was built on sand, I can. We have the ability to convince ourselves of a lot of things, just about anything. And this, yeah. yeah. And so I think this, like what we're talking about right now, is it's scary, but it's so important. But it's it involves faith. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought is God has to be a very merciful God because we are such delicate creatures <laughs> when it comes to understanding truth. He knows that we kind of. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy thing to discern him. That's why I think we have to ask and seek and knock and pursue God mm-hmm. um, with all of our heart yeah. to get to the truth. Oh, it's sure. truth is plain, but it's elusive. I think to mm-hmm. really, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I've always lo- also looked at over the years is looking at Joseph Smith's own revelations, and you find out that you know he's ac- accused of being this cult leader and you know usually you know you think of, of cult leaders as you know everything is all about them you know mm-hmm. they are the unquestioned authority and and you know in some ways there there was that in in early church you can find you know some evidences of that in Joseph but you know the fact that over and over again you read the doctrine and covenants <clears throat> he gives this revelation and in his own words, through the revelation, he chastises himself. <laughs> he says, "You better watch out, or you're going to fall." You, right? He, he's, you know, you don't find people that are trying to exercise, you know, absolute control over other people, putting themselves down and and highlighting their their weaknesses and their mm-hmm. their failures and their faults and that kind of thing. It's you know, there's just an honesty there that that you know, that not only was he a man and and subject to frailties, but he called himself out, if you will. You know, if, if you say that he he made these things up, uh, that he wasn't actually a prophet, um, you know, you don't find people doing that. Even even people that don't claim to be prophets or leaders, you know, they we don't like to put ourselves down, and to put himself down, and then to put it into a book of scripture that goes out to the <laughs> right. the whole world. It's like you know that that's that's a there's an honesty there that you know and a kind of a genuineness that you know doesn't prove that that in itself doesn't prove that it's a true revelation, but it just kind of indicates something about a you know a character of mm-hmm. the person and and the revelation that's coming that he, he said it like like what the Lord gave it to him I guess yeah well, my friend sent me a podcast yesterday I listened to it and I think out of most of the things a lot of the information I've seen this was very very telling because it was on a it was on a program that's uh, I think well, I'm not going to say what his background is. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of information that's anti-Mormon mm-hmm. or church. Uh, I know one of the men that are on here as regulars is an ex-Mormon for mm-hmm. 40 years. However, the two people they had on yesterday, I was waiting for the shoe to drop to the very end mm-hmm. because I figured it was going to be an anti. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. At the end, they said the only explanation we have is the book's divine. And they went through a lot of, well, first of all, they debunked that the witnesses were in cahoots, and they went through mm-hmm. a lot of these theories and I'm like, okay, so what's it going to be that they say? <laughs> At the end, they said, even if he was a genius, mm-hmm. it's, pr- they, it's pretty clear we can see he's, he was 
There was no sheet even in, in between him and the other person. The sheet was so that people walking by the room wouldn't see the plates, mm-hmm. but that they were sitting there and that nobody said that he had any papers or anything. Right. Number one, right. they said that the reason he was looking in the hat was so that people wouldn't even see the spectacles, but that it was allowed him to see easier. But uh, in that room... He would either have had to memorize pages and pages of a book that he actually wrote if he didn't make it up, mm-hmm. and who who could do that? And then they they showed the weaving in of the storyline all the way back to ether fitting in that mm-hmm. you would have to have be oh. of a genius of. Uh, yeah. One of my friends said, "Well, you know, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote a pretty amazing." And he goes, and "So I look, I just looked it up. He goes, it took him twelve years 12 to years. write, yeah." <laughs> And he wrote like through you know six thousand years of backstory for the the, the story before he or, yeah you know, as or what before he wrote the actual story that got published right yeah, yeah. but it, at the end they said it takes more faith to believe this was a hoax than to just concede it was of divine origin mm-hmm. but here's the good thing and the bad thing I, I love that part they said this is the good thing they mm-hmm. said Joseph I never thought of it this way they said if Joseph wrote this book and this was his great work that he was gonna take over this you know, become rich and be this leader of a church. They said he did a terrible job of promoting the book. Like if, if you worked on this, wouldn't you be like, Hey, this is what I made. I want to show this to the world. Mm -hmm. They said he, he translated the book of Mormon and then went on. And, and honestly, in a lot of the writings, I don't see a lot of sermons from the book of Mormon or expounding on what was there. It was on to organizing the church revelation, moving forward, uh, this concept of Zion temple Mm -hmm. building, all of these things, um, it was a pretty fast ride for those first few years in the yeah. church. Yeah. But the comment they made, whether you agree with it or not, mm-hmm. I, I see their point was he wasn't promoting himself mm-hmm. in this work that he did as far as what gave him, what gave him uh, credence or yeah, glory. The, um, glory, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which if he was a charlatan or a con man, uh, there would have been a lot more of that. Yeah, yeah. I put together a class. I think I gave it at the Book of Mormon um, internship uh, during the summer of, you know, <clears throat> several years ago, um, talking about the the story that was being told about Joseph and how where did the Book of Mormon come from? Mm-hmm. And this that actually comes from some like two books that I've got at home. I think it was two from a Mormon scholar back in like the forties and fifties. But basically, he traces in great. I mean. Ext- 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 extraordinary detail, let's say, about all the different, you know, writings and anti-Mormon writings and pe- what what his neighbors were saying and what people were saying over the next 150 years, and he, he traces this path. And so I just kind of lay that out in a in an hour-long class, and basically what they first said it was it was him, and he was stupid, and it was all this. Then they start seeing all these thousands of converts coming in, and they're just like, well, Joseph couldn't have done this, so mm-hmm. it must have been Sidney Rigdon. It must have been Oliver Cowdery. It must have been the like those other things that you mentioned right, those right. other books it must have been and then finally you come around to Fawn Brody who was a I think ex Mormon in forties and fifties where she finally concludes that he was a, a genius of extraordinary talent right in, in in his his writing and his imagination well just the opposite of what his neighbors and, mm-hmm. and and the people that knew him actually said but that was her explanation for where did it come from anything but what Joseph said it came from the Lord through you know, the gift and power of God. Yeah, I'm reading, yeah. I actually bought that book. I'm reading it right now. And just because I heard, I heard it referenced so many times, and I admit that was one of those where I was like, I don't think I want to read that book. Mm-hmm. What if I, uh, <laughs> but 
honestly, I'm listening to people discuss that book uh, in an audio format as I'm driving, and I thought I'd like, actually like to read this book with a group of, of young people in a Sunday school class and show them, mm-hmm. walk through, like, this is things you can trust. Now, this is obviously opinion. Why mm-hmm. would this person, uh, you know, one of the oh, early things, on one of the earliest books was this guy that got all these affidavits against Joseph Smith. Right. They put it together. Edie Howe, I yeah, think. Yeah, Edie Howe was a publisher, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the guy collected them was a disgruntled ex-Mormon. So mm-hmm. how easy would it have been to to go around back then and just, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I heard this about him. And and the rumors. And he, Joseph said that there were rumors, and we, we know that that's yeah. the case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, what is truth? I, I am convinced as we sit here today more than ever that uh, the Book of Mormon is uh, the Word of God. Um, when we say standard, and Corey talked about this, I think I think it came out last week, um, a standard being not, not even as much as the only, not the only truth or the, the truth that's better, but more of a, you know, one way to look at it is like you raise your flag as a standard or as mm-hmm. a, something that leads people forth or comes back to them. Um, I, well, what is your, what is your, you, you take it from it. You wanted to um, talk about the standard. What Have we said something that you don't agree with or that you feel is misrepresented? Just tell me and we'll discuss it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh yeah, And I know we, we have to cut off right at the mark today. <laughs> yeah. <you> get. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Um, so first of all, no matter what else I say, um, I agree with what you said. You know, the Book of Mormon is true, and, and the the doctrine, the teachings that are mm-hmm. in it are true. And I, I love the Book of Mormon. So so let's <laughs> make sure that that's that's clear up front. Um, when we talk about uh, and let me, I'll go back just a little bit to the very first podcast um, when I recorded with you and Corey. Um, you know, leading up to that, anyway, I put together a list of. Six things, you know, six, yeah. six main points, and I think I, I listed those on the air. And the very first one was basically putting the Book of Mormon as, as treating the Book of Mormon as the standard of doctrine, and, and you know, even against which it seems to me that the other books of Scripture are being judged. And and for instance, you know, if the Doctrine and Covenants doesn't agree with what the Book of Mormon says, then we've we've obviously got to accept the Book of Mormon and and reject the Doctrine and Covenants. I mean, you know, we've got to set it aside if it disagrees and. And you know you've you've expressed some concerns of uh, along that line, mm-hmm. um, and obviously we've talked a great deal about interpretations of those you know different, right. Different and we have examples of doing that, like in our church history. Mm-hmm. If something comes out that uh, yeah. doesn't agree with, yeah, uh, I mean we've taken things out of the doctrine and covenants. Right. So I agree with, in principle. Obviously, we need the scriptures as as a standard, um, but it it seems to me that you know, and in, in particular, we've talked a lot about um, about well, life after death and glories and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, it seems to me that, you know, Corey and his classes and you guys and your conversations are basically, you know, saying the Book of Mormon is the standard of, of reference, you know, almost, you know, that, you know, the, it's kind of at the pinnacle and everything else is subject to it. And, you know, I mean, maybe you disagree with that characterization. I don't know, but it's that's what it seems sure. like. You know, in fact, you know, let's let's set aside the doctrine and covenants and let's see what the Book of Mormon says, and then you know, Correct. focusing on on just on that. So we've we've been there through some discussions, and you know, I while I understand that, um, 
I disagree with that emphasis on the Book of Mormon being the standard. You know, even even to the point that <clears throat> other, other scripture is being judged based on on the Book of Mormon okay. and not mutually. You know, because I and I and that was actually point number one of <laughs> my list of things we haven't really ever talked about in in detail and probably won't even on this podcast. Maybe it's maybe so much detail, but I I think there's some some faulty arguments, let's say, some faulty reasoning that, that leads to that conclusion that kind of puts the Book of Mormon up at the pinnacle and, and the other books of Scripture get kind of almost subsidiary. And it feels like to me that, that you know, kind of secondary almost in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, if there's any question, the Book of Mormon has to be true and everything else has to be, que- you know, would have to be questioned if there's a perceived difference. And in many of those cases, I, I argue, first of all, with the perceived difference, and that's where some of the things we've talked yes, about. Yes, right. But also, um, um, and so, you know, the, I don't know how much time you want to spend on, on this question. but I just, I wanted yeah. you to present, I wanted to just give you a few minutes to, to say what you believe. That mm-hmm. helps clarify in my mm-hmm. mind a few things, and then I want to respond yeah. where I'm at, and then we can discuss it. Yeah. Well, so, you know, for instance, in Second Nephi, um, 1244, and this is probably one of the, the key verses there. Um, it's a, he says, My words shall hiss forth unto the ends of the earth for a standard unto my people, which are of the house of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think, you know, the, the conclusion is, well, the Book of Mormon is that word that hissed forth, and so therefore it's the standard, right? Um but then further, well, you know, the, well, the Bible, we can't necessarily trust that because, you know, the great and abominable church and all the things that we, we say there, and we have reason that we might distrust Joseph Smith and some of his revelations. Correct. But so therefore, the Book of Mormon becomes not just a standard, like it says here, but the standard. Mm-hmm. And then third, and I've just kind of put together what I kind of think is kind of the logical progression here, but maybe, there may be more to it. Um, when you look up the definition of standard, um, I think I wrote it down. So it's um, a rule or principle used as a basis of judgment or the thing against which others are compared. And so the conclusion then from those you know, previous points is that the Book of Mormon is the final standard of reference against which all doctrine and other scripture is to be judged. And you know, if it doesn't agree with the Book of Mormon, it must be wrong. And that's kind of, as I see it, kind of a logical argument, let's say, a kind of a step-by-step okay. logical argument for how how that that idea could get uh, developed. And I think two or three of those main three points are wrong um, in terms of, uh, you know, kind of, and, and I'll just kind of quickly run through without spending too much time, that third, um, that third definition, you know, if you look at the definition of, of standard in a current dictionary, there's like 22 different usages, you know, <laughs> 22 different definitions of, of what is the standard. And, you know, one or, you know, a few of those are, yeah, it's like a weights and measures, you know, you've got the gold standard or you've got, right. you know, over in, uh, over in, where was it? Over in France, it used to be, there was a, a, a meter and that, that was the standard well, meter we, for the whole world, you know, and everything right. else gets measured against that and, and that kind of thing. Um, but one of the other definitions, and you know, one of the other definitions of standard is really what Corey said: is is basically it was a flag. You know, you mm-hmm. put up the flag, you know, the, and you you go through of, like in the Old Testament, the 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 Levites would put up their standard, and the Reubenites would put up their standard. Right. It, it was a flag that was basically the rallying point that that people came together, and so you know, so for instance, on this subject, I I went through and looked at what is what did the scriptures say all the way through about the word standard and how is it used. And 
I only found maybe one or two places where it used that, where it's clearly re referencing the word standard as the standard of reference against which other things are compared. And those two places, neither one of those scriptures were in the Book of Mormon, and neither one of those scriptures was about the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one was actually from the Lectures of Faith, where it says Jesus is the standard of salvation. <laughs> you know, so obviously that's a standard of reference that we're comparing against sure. him and that kind of thing. <clears throat> And there's another one in Mark, but um, but all the other ones, and you know, some are you know you could you could argue are are potentially not. Uh, uh, Before we go too know. far in, into that, mm -hmm. that is that's one way to look at it. I think, um, well, so Corey has used that reference right there mm -hmm. I, because I've talked with him for hundreds of hours. I know <laughs> what else we've we've talked about. Yeah, um, that's that's one that's one verse mm -hmm. i i agree with what that says i mm -hmm. also think that's could be pertaining to the whole book it could be mm -hmm. pertaining to the word of god but it is it says these things his forth but mm -hmm. even i never like to take just yeah one verse so the book of mormon all right so you've kind of let me let me share where i'm at this mm -hmm. is where i'm at today this morning because <laughs> mm -hmm. so uh but not too far different from from i think the path that we've been on. Uh -huh. I absolutely love the Bible. I'm reading Hebrews. Recently, I've been going through Hebrews about Jesus being the great high priest and what he did, on, and it's fascinating. Um, I just, the Bible Project, I use their mm -hmm. study stuff all the time. Um, great video, by the way, this week that came out on eternal life. Very interesting using that word as an age, as it was, and it's uh, well, fascinating, mm -hmm. five-minute video. Mm -hmm. Um the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, first of all, if something in the Book of Mormon didn't jive with the Bible, then it would be suspect, and we would have to question that. Uh, the Bible is the oldest, well, not the oldest, <laughs> before the Book of Mormon came along, the Bible was the oldest recorded thing that we mm -hmm. had that told us about God. Mm -hmm. All Scripture has mm -hmm. to uh, coincide with previous Revelation. Not that it doesn't add insight and understanding, mm -hmm. but there can't be any core differences of who God is or what what has been given previously. I think we all agree on that. Yeah. Um, Joseph Smith uh, translated the Book of Mormon, and then we have the Doctrine and Covenants. The Doctrine and Covenants is a completely different type of body of work. As David Whitmer said, um, many people, when the church was organized, and many of us elders in the church were having the gift of prophecy and revelation. Mm -hmm. David Whitmer gave some prophecies that came true. Joseph gave prophecies that didn't come true. Only Joseph's prophecies were written down and combined together in one book. Um, we've taken some of those things out of the book, baptism for the dead being one. There's been other ones that are in there that haven't come true, that, that weren't true. Um, he gave a revelation on on selling the rights of the Book of Mormon to Canada, mm -hmm. and that didn't happen. They didn't raise money. It was a, it didn't come true. And and there's a number of men that testified firsthand of that. Uh, David Whitmer was there when that happened. Uh, so, right there, you have to say, does that mean the Book of Mormon? that words contained in the Doctrine and Covenants that are revelation from God, are they less meaningful or powerful than the Book of Mormon? Absolutely not. Is the Bible less than the Book of Mormon? No. 
for me personally, what I like about the Book of Mormon is the part that says plain and precious. And I can read through the Book of Mormon at any given time, and I find things to be very plain and easy to understand for me. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the intents of it and, and the way the Book of Mormon writers did it. Um, like like Eric Odita said, he you know he read through the whole book in one <laughs> sitting and was converted to God and had this marvelous experience of seeing these things he was reading and having this understanding, not just of the Book of Mormon, but how it mm-hmm. fit into the Bible. Yeah, uh, yeah, and just quickly on that, I mentioned I think on maybe a previous recording, um, previous podcast that we um, this lady that my dad had met years and years ago of you know that that she had this we, i think we talked about it with regard to mm-hmm. like salvation and and what do you do after you're saved and that kind of thing but right. that, I, i'd forgotten after i left i remembered this that that was also her testimony is that she had uh, insomnia she couldn't sleep at night so he gave her a book of mormon and like the next day so within 24 hours she <clears> has, comes back and says this is great i love this and oh you know, well so. um didn't um I, I grew up with uh pastor dan elliott down in the Belton congregation, not grown up. But when mm-hmm. I moved here, I was in my 20s. He really yeah. mentored me. He was best friends with Gary Metzger mm-hmm. in college. You've probably heard some of their testimonies, but I think Gary Metzger read the book in one night or... Um, I think I have to let Gary speak to that, but I I believe that he was converted. Gary and, and Dan were kind of converted you know, at the same time. Um, or Dan just before Gary, mm-hmm. but I, I remember Gary's part of Gary's testimony, and it's a it's a little bit different as I remember it. Okay, is that he was actually converted on the fact that this church was would match the New Testament church, you know, with all of the, mm-hmm. the gifts, the offices, the the doctrine, you know, that kind of thing. And um, he actually had a testimony at one point. He he believed that the the, the restoration was true, but he wasn't sure about the Book of Mormon. And so he decided, he finally was challenged and finally decided to read. And so he read through the Book of Mormon like two, two times or something straight through. And it was when he got to, and you know, the Lord basically gave him this, this word from, from a particular verse that was a comfort and that, and that kind of thing. And he says, this is, this is my word too. You know, it was, it was mm-hmm. the verse from the Book of Mormon. I says, I could have, I could have given you any verse, you know, from, from Psalms or whatever that, that speaks to this, but I gave you this because it's my word too. That was that was his testimony. So he, it was kind of like it wasn't like the Book of Mormon that convinced him, but it was a testimony. Maybe, maybe that's what you're thinking of is that as he read through it like okay. two or three times, it was in the middle of that searching. Is this really true? That the Lord revealed to him that yes, this is true, and yeah, it'd be it. Yeah, I should yeah, invite him to come. I'm on. gonna have you come. On. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Just as a side note, I know some people saw this uh, this week on social media. Uh, someone has said something about Gary, and he, he came on. He said, "I'm not involved with the Brazil thing or anything. I'm, I'm yeah, like, no, I'm out of he's that. Separated from it. Yeah, yeah." And and someone commented on there. Well, I'm glad you've repented. And I just said, "Repented of what? Listen." There's nothing to repent of if you're seeking the Lord with all of your heart and you're following what you believe to be true mm-hmm. and that path takes you this way and then brings you back. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's anybody that's – that's a wrong notion in in our church, I think. That you, can, you can repent of sin, but you know, do you repent of a fault, you know, a, a wrong idea? Well, you, you might call it that, but it's not quite the same thing. You know, if we, if we were deceived by something or if we, if right. we had a wrong idea, we went the wrong direction – you might call that a repentance, yeah. I mean, repentance is like a change of mind, a change mm-hmm. of direction. But, but let's talk about sin. You know, adultery. You know, <laughs> murder. You know, right. sins that are actually like specifically, you know, called out as commandments well, in the in the scriptures. Yeah, that's everything's not known to us, and I I, I don't believe 
there was, well, anyway, I'm not mm-hmm. going to speak on that other than to say when you earnestly are trying to do what you believe God's telling you mm-hmm. and you grow in that revelation, there's no reason to repent from a standpoint of, well, you you were wrong. Good thing you repented and admitted. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah, don't there, there was that. a deception going on, and the, the brethren that were involved, as I best I know, they were very sincere, and they believed that it was true. Well, I, and st- I still have questions on and you, I don't want to get into no, that. Too then we much. don't get into yeah. that. But, um, <laughs> I just yeah. uh, it was there's things that I can't answer about that whole thing, mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. it won't be probably till the other side of the veil. So <laughs> maybe, maybe so. But people, um, so okay, so we're talking about the standard. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, I look forward to studying the New Testament more and diving into that. Um, I don't lift the Book of Mormon up over and above the Bible, mm-hmm. or the Bible. I don't know what the Book of Mormon is referring to when it says uh, that the Bible passes through the hands of the abominable church mm-hmm. and many plain and precious things are removed. Yeah, I don't know what those are. So yeah. we've we've always kind of assumed at church as a church that words, sections, you know, paragraphs, whole chapters, maybe you know, whole books might have gotten actually taken out mm-hmm. um, by the Catholic Church, and. Um, and that the inspired version is what was restoring that back, you know, the, putting those words back in that used to be there. And I, you know, I think that's a traditional view of what is the inspired version. I'm not convinced that, that that's necessarily the case in, in many instances that that's what it is. Yeah. But, um, you know, you, you could argue that, that things were taken out. But the evidences of Bible manuscripts and we have Bible manuscripts and fragments that go clear back now to like the second, you know, the second century um, that pretty well match what the Bible is today. It's, it's Let very me ask hard you to, a question on yeah, that. Sure. This is not to, to tr- <laughs> I'm not trying to trick you or anything. I, no, honestly, an honest question. What, so, okay, here's an interesting thing. Okay. This has no, holds no water for me. One of the, the these guys are doing this thing like, oh, and here's the most damning part of the Book of Mormon. Uh-huh. It's the, Joseph wrote Word for word, what's in Mark chapter 8, and it's one verse. I can't remember what the verse is. It's a very uh-huh. popular scripture, and um, word for word. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, of course, it's the same God. And mm-hmm. if this is an important scripture, which we all know this scripture, mm-hmm. uh, why wouldn't he talk to the prophet on this land the same thing? Right. Well, then they brought that argument up. They're like, yes, we could tell you that You know, the Lord talks to all people, and there's going to be similarities. And then they're like, the aha moment, but the original manuscript only goes to chapter 8 in Mark, and this verse is in chapter 9, oh, and this was 16. added later. I think, you're, I think you're talking Mark 16, the last the last uh, book. Well, I don't know. No, this definitely said 8. 8, okay. So they said that okay. the chapters 9 through 16 of Mark were added later and wasn't even written by Mark. And going back to the earliest manuscripts... Um, I'll just put a link. I'll, I'll put a link on the show notes so people can, if they're interested. The, the, the thing was, yeah. was this. I was like, how do they know that that original, the quote, original that they have is the original mm-hmm. and that it wasn't, in other words, our early, we always, I hear this, like uh, I heard a James McDonald say once, we have every single word of the Bible except for like 500 or whatever mm-hmm. based on manuscripts. But mm-hmm. those earliest manuscripts are still several hundred years yeah, they are. Right, they're yeah. not the the original. They're right. They are maybe copy- 10 copies from the original. They are copies or? of copies of something, yes. Um, do you know how um do you know like how many generations of copies 
transpired before we have what we call the original? That, like that like how many a, copies? Right. That is a hard question. I don't know. Because, scholars have. Oh, yeah. There's, there's tons of detail. You can go find mm -hmm. information on this. Um I, I I think you have to go back and check your source, but I, I think you are. They, he is. They are referring to Mark sixteen, the last several verses that talks about go into all the world, preach the gospel, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Yeah, I know. I know. That, there's a section there, was, but anyway, that's that is one. But um, you know, I've I've done a lot of study on you know, kind of what's known today, and of course, the more they search, the more they they research, the more they find. You know, eventually mm -hmm. they find older copies. We have. A fra one or more fragments of, I know that, like, say, the Gospel of John, that are probably within, I, I think they, they probably estimate within 50 years of the, uh, well, actually, no, John, John they believe, wrote, wrote his Gospel in, like, 90 to 95 A.D. This fragment is probably from something like 120 A.D., you're talking within 30 years, <laughs> you know, so I, 50 years to be generous, mm -hmm. let's say. But um, but that's a fragment. You know, that's that's one little fragment of one little piece of a book of John, right? That That's not the whole Bible or the whole New Testament even. I, I think the whole, like the, I, I'm, I'm off the top of my head here, so I, I'd have to really <laughs> dig okay. into it, is somewhere within, let's say, 300 A.D., Ish, you know, somewhere okay. that they have a, a complete, more or less complete set of of uh, Bible, like New Testament, let's say manuscripts of of pretty much as we have it today. So and then pieces and parts, you know, smaller okay. portions of it that go earlier by one or two hundred years earlier than now. That, the so. Dead Sea Scrolls, we would say, was was like an original, original when those were found. Is that correct? Uh, Dead Sea Scrolls would have been in the first couple hundred years before Christ. And before the, Christ. Before Christ. Those would have been Old Testament okay. manuscripts. And yes, there are, in, like in the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's Isaiah, a scroll of Isaiah, for instance, that's several hundred years B.C., let's mm -hmm. approximate. You know, so, so it's not original. It's, it's centuries, millennia, you know, <laughs> after, after you know, well, maybe not a millennia. If it's Isaiah, for instance, it's several hundred years after the original. Um and you know, then there's others. You know, there may be manuscripts that go back several hundred years before Christ of like older, like Law of Moses kind of things. Um, and so, you know, all these things. You know, there's just more and more evidence that comes out as far as finding things. But and it's more than just finding an old manuscript and saying, "Oh, this is old." <laughs> but it's looking at the language, looking at because there's nuances even of of language. You know, how did they use the Greek and how did they use right. this? There's translations of those manuscripts into other languages that then agree with, more or less agree with the the Greek manuscripts. But then in addition to all that, you have early church fathers from 100, 200, 300, up, up through several hundred years later uh, in the church who were quoting from these manuscripts. So even if we, the manuscripts we don't have, um, you find most of the New Testament quoted in... Some of these are like Augustine and some of these these early church writers of of the three four hundred A.D. era, where they're quoting from manuscripts that are much earlier that they had, but we don't currently mm -hmm. have, you know, and they're quoting it pretty much like what it is in in the current Bibles. Um, but there are differences, and that, yeah. that is one of the things. There are differences. The fact that there are passages that an entire, you know. 5, 10 verses are, are missing out of, let's say, older manuscripts and, mm -hmm. and a whole section on the, you know, the the woman who what was caught in adultery and that, that whole story. You may be familiar. I don't know. I just heard that. Yeah, was that added later? It, or? it doesn't appear in any of the oldest copies of, of, John, um, of John, I believe. Um, How did it get in there then? 
sometimes in, in, you know, they're, I, I don't know. I, I, again, that's a, that's a I, huge discussion and it's, there's, it's speculative. I can only imagine what I've waded through in the last two weeks for a, a history that's less than 200 years old, where we actually have uh-huh. like handwriting on paper. We, to, we, we have the original manuscripts yeah, yeah. Of, of the third, it, a third of the book of Mormon, basically it hasn't gotten. Right. Damaged, it's but. so, it's so hard to even, um, imagine people back then who were, you know, paper wasn't even as, as, yeah, paper wasn't even as easy to get, right? I mean, mm-hmm. every time you painstakingly yeah. copied something, um, you, on, you had to keep dipping your pen in the ink and, and put it on a papyrus, and a papyrus just gets destroyed, you know, or right. it's not preserved really well. And that, so that I just thing, that know. that whole thing with Mark, I just thought, how do you know that <laughs> the originals got messed up and then they went back and found an older one and put it back? It, it, there's just it's, yeah. that's just so frail of an argument and. Yeah. But that brings us back yeah. to the Book of Mormon, right? Mm-hmm. Inscribed on metal, mm-hmm. translated one time into our language so that we can understand it. Yeah, I think that's a huge, a huge um, proponent or or, or evidence evidence or of where yeah. of why the Book of Mormon is so reliable and mm-hmm. and even the writing in it is so refreshingly plain. The mm-hmm. way it's written, that I don't have to. I mean, I can read a passage from Paul. <laughs> for for an hour and then read it again and read it again. But granted, scholars have said that he is one of the most genius writers and that crafting these things wasn't just was, yeah. writing off the top of his head. That He put a lot of thought mm-hmm. into how he presented those. So but he was a theologian, so sometimes he's speaking kind of up here, but right. he's also speaking to a people in a culture that isn't ours, right. you know, that had issues and had background that we don't have. Uh, and so some of that is just... You know that that he's speaking to a culture that we don't understand, and that that's part of it. Just not all of it, though. Well, John, I yeah. uh, let's uh, let's wrap up here. Yeah, sure. I know you've got stuff to do, and I thank you for coming. We started right on the nose early this morning. Um, I think we got a lot. I enjoyed talking with you today. I, I see that I need to mind your. I need to pull out more information that resides in your brain because you've <laughs> got a lot of research on things that I'm fascinated with. But um, I think we started our. Well, it was a good start anyway. To, right. to we'll we'll pick up here next time and then talk about. I also want to get back to. Well, I don't think we can reside away from the fullness of God forever, mm-hmm. based on the scriptures, and get back to seventy six. So sure. hopefully, in the next episode or so, we'll get there. Okay. Anything right. else? Uh, it may take more than an episode, but <laughs> <laughs> he grades like a. <laughs> All right, thank you. No.